Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Good morning. It's Friday, the 1st of December here in London. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Europe podcast. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up today, Israel says the temporary Gaza ceasefire with Hamas is over, ending a week-long exchange of hostages for prisoners. Bloomberg Economics expects a weakening US economy to lead to significant Fed rate cuts next year. Plus, shock therapy. Tesla delivers its first cyber trucks, but says the cheapest model will be delayed until 2025. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. The Israeli army says that it took the decision after Hamas violated the terms of the pause by firing towards its territory. Speaking in Tel Aviv ahead of that move, US Secretary of State Antony Blinken urged Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to avoid the scale of destruction inflicted on Gaza before the truce. I underscore the imperative of the United States that the massive loss of civilian life and displacement of the scale that we saw in northern Gaza not be repeated in the south. As I told the Prime Minister, intent matters, but so does the result. Anthony Blinken also told reporters yesterday that he was working to extend the temporary truce to get more hostages out of Gaza and more humanitarian assistance in. That objective now looks to have failed. In the last hour, the British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak renewed the UK's call for sustained humanitarian pauses in Gaza. Benjamin Netanyahu and other Israeli politicians have consistently stressed that the war would resume at some point and that the truce was not permanent. Bloomberg Economics says next year will bring 125 points of Fed cuts beginning in March as signs of a US recession begin to appear. The team's baseline forecast is for unemployment to increase through next year and approach 5% by the end of 2024, a mild recession by historical standards. Insignio Chief Investment Officer Ahmed Riesgo said that markets are responding to the same concerns. Really, over the past several weeks, the bond market is clearly signaling that its attention has shifted from inflation risks to growth and recessionary risks. And you're seeing that with not only sort of the rapid drop in long duration bonds in the United States, but also with the market starting to price in Fed uh, Fed funds cuts uh, as early as March. In fact, uh, at the end of the day today, the market was roughly was pricing in roughly a 50 percent chance that the Fed will cut the the rate by March of 2024. So this is much earlier than what we had seen a couple of weeks ago. Ahmed Riesgo there. Fed officials have shifted their tone in recent days and inched closer to a conversation around cutting rates. Markets in particular have latched on to comments by the hawkish Governor Christopher Waller, who this week opened the door to trimming rates if inflation continues to fall. 
The British Prime Minister will pledge to spend £1.6 billion on climate projects as he attends the COP28 summit in Dubai. Almost half of that amount will be new funding, including half a billion to tackle deforestation and £300 million for energy innovation. The UK will also contribute £40 million to a global fund to help vulnerable countries deal with more extreme weather, an an initiative that's been unveiled at COP28. Rishi Sunak has defended his party's recent rolling back of green policies. I'm not in hock to ideological zealots on this topic. Of course we're going to get to net zero, of course it's important, but we can do that in a sensible way that saves people money and I'm proud of that approach. I think that's the right thing and I think that actually it's supported by the vast majority of the British public. Rishi Sunak's trip to COP28 risks being overshadowed by the opposition leader Keir Starmer, who is also attending. He's promising to make the UK the green finance capital of the world. The Institute of Directors says UK tax cuts won't help to ease economic worries among British business leaders. The group's economic confidence index improved for a fifth month running after plummeting in June when interest rates jumped to 5%. Findings show optimism among company bosses has returned to 2019 levels when leaving the European Union with a no deal was on the cards. UK executives are still struggling to muster enthusiasm for 2024 despite the Chancellor's £20 billion tax cut package. Among their concerns are geopolitical instability, skills shortages and climbing energy costs. UK regulators will review a £600 million UAE-linked bid for the Telegraph newspaper. Bloomberg's Tiwa Adebayo has the details. Culture Secretary Lucy Fraser has ordered a probe into the proposed takeover of one of Britain's most famous newspapers due to concerns about accurate reporting and free expression. Media regulator Ofcom and the Competition and Markets Authority will investigate a deal involving The Telegraph and investment venture Redbird IMI, which is backed by Abu Dhabi's Sheikh Mansour. Findings will be published in January next year. The government can then block the deal, impose conditions or allow it to go through. The Telegraph has close connections with the ruling Conservative Party. Former Prime Ministers Boris Johnson and Winston Churchill have both written for the paper. In London, Tiwa Adebayo, Bloomberg Radio. Tesla has finally rolled out its long-awaited Cybertruck after two years of delays and production snags. However, the cheapest model is two years behind schedule as the CEO Elon Musk lamented how difficult the steel-bodied vehicle is to produce. Dan Ives, Managing Director at Wedbush Securities, expects it'll take time for Tesla's pickup truck to become profitable. First 12 to 18 months, no. I mean, they'll, they'll essentially lose money. It'll be cash or negative. But as you get into 2025, it actually could be pretty significant in terms of the the accretive level as it all plays out at scale. The Cybertruck marks Tesla's first entry into the highly competitive pickup truck market in the US. The move has been met with some excitement, but also heavy criticism and doubt. Let's return for more details in our top story now. The Israeli army saying it's resumed combat against Hamas in the Gaza Strip after that week-long truce. This, as the United States has said, that Israel must not repeat the scale of destruction and displacement inflicted on the northern Gaza Strip in any further military push against Hamas. Joining us now for more, Paul Wallace, who leads our team of economics and government reporters in the Middle East. Paul, thank you for joining us. The fragile truce is over. What has happened so far this morning? Exactly. It ended at around 7 a.m. local time or 5 a.m. Uh, UK time this this morning. Almost immediately, Israel started bombing 
Hamas targets in in the Gaza Strip. It blamed Hamas for this restart. It said that uh, the group had violated the the truce um, that was in in place for a week uh, in total. Um, Hamas has subsequently blamed uh, Israel and said that the U.S. also bears responsibility for giving Israel the green light for hostilities to resume. Um, it's not a total surprise that we're now back in a in a phase of war. Israel and its Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu have been very consistent that the truce was temporary, it certainly wouldn't be permanent, and that the country would not be stopped um, in its goal of, of destroying Hamas and demilitarizing the Gaza Strip. So it was pretty clear that fighting would begin. It was just, um, just a case of when. But Clearly, whatever happened um, uh, last night and early this morning in negotiations between Hamas and Israel over hostages, uh, they couldn't uh, agree to another another extension in their truce. Hmm. It comes, though, with a strong warning from the US to do more to protect civilians. Um, what does the plan for that look like? How can Israel do both, target Hamas and also protect so many people in the Gaza Strip? This is the big question, and uh, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken made um, pretty strong comments about Palestinian civilians and the need to protect them when he spoke to Netanyahu in Tel Aviv yesterday. He was, in fact, still in the country when hostilities resumed. He left from Ben Gurion Airport shortly um, afterwards. On the face of it, the U.S. stance is the same, that it, it backs Israel's goal of destroying Hamas. But it is making a bigger and bigger noise about Palestinian civilians and the need to protect them. Um, interestingly, Blinken alluded to Israeli forces moving to the south of the Gaza Strip. So right now they're concentrated in the north, which they say is um, Hamas's center of gravity. Um, but Blinken talked about them moving south, not in a way that he was um, saying that should happen. Simply, he was simply saying that if Israel does move forces into the south, um, we cannot see the same number of casualties there, civilian casualties, as we have in the north. So it seems as if, at least in the background and in private, the U.S. is increasing um, pressure on on Israel to sort of restrain its it, it, its operations. But in public, Israel is very much maintaining its um, strong stance that this war will continue uh, until Hamas is no more. What about the diplomatic efforts that had been led by Qatar that led to the this truce being established in the first place and then extended? Do we know if those efforts are continuing? We think they are. And, and Qatar, Qatar had hoped, as, as, and some other Arab governments had also hoped, that this truce would turn into something more permanent. Um, I think even though it's broken down, we'll still see negotiations taking place between Hamas and Israel, mostly channeled through through Qatar, which has been the main um, mediator so far. Qatar hasn't said anything this morning about the breakdown in this truce, so we wait to see if they've got any more comment. But it is possible we could see more pauses. And in the last few few moments, um, British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, who's who's in Dubai for the COP climate summit, um, he actually called for further humanitarian pauses um, as he as he worded them. So I think we will still see more diplomacy, and it doesn't mean that this is. You know, now that we 
had one week of truce and that's it there'll there'll be no more stoppages and fighting it's quite possible that we will get some further down the line they will be dependent yeah. on Hamas releasing more hostages from Gaza and it's it's thought to ho- still hold about 140 um people um j- just lastly on the tensions in the west bank how severe are those currently they're rising and the the territory has got more and more restive since this war in in Gaza started on October the 7th um we've seen a number of of Palestinians killed by Jewish settlers and also by Israeli security forces it's something that Israel is worried about it's watching um although people talk about a second front opening up on the west bank it is it is um important to note that there's no military force in the West Bank quite like um, uh, Hamas in in, in in Gaza. Yes, uh, Hamas does have a presence in the West Bank and there are a lot of arms among Palestinian, various Palestinian groups in the West Bank, but it's not, there's nothing quite as strong as what you have with, with Hamas in Gaza. So if there was, if this did turn into something more serious, um, it would probably be uh, another intifada where you have an uprising of Palestinians against the Israelis, but probably not something like a mass of missiles being fired toward um, Israeli territory like you got um, in, in Gaza in early October. Okay, Paul Wallace, our, who runs our economics and government coverage in the Middle East, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Now, let's talk about uh, the economic situation in the US. Uh, Bloomberg Economics now believes that uh, they see signs of a typical recession having begun in October 2023. And therefore, they expect that the Fed will have enough clarity about the downturn to then cut interest rates for the first time in March next year. Joining us now is Bloomberg opinion columnist Daniel Moss. Good to have you with us, uh, Daniel. Earlier this week, Bill Ackman said that the Fed may cut rates in the first quarter. Bloomberg Economics now seems to agree. and to back that call. Uh, And obviously, it's been the main question for for markets for the last few weeks. It's been the main question for markets for about a year now, (laughs) since the Fed began scaling down from half percentage point increases to 25 basis point increases, to taking a little bit of a pause, and now what looks like a prolonged, possibly permanent pause to hikes. So a year ago, when people started chattering about rate cuts for this year, that was off the mark. The chatter is now back. It's back with a force. But what gives it more credibility is that inflation is coming down at a pretty significant clip. Look at PCE, the Fed's preferred inflation measure. It's down to 3% according to the data we got overnight. You know, you're within QE of an average of 2% over time there. You're not quite there, but the trend is really starting to look unambiguous. When we look at the the rally that we've seen on, on bond markets as well, markets seem to have decided this already. How much more difficult does that make the job for central bankers? It means they are unlikely to talk in ways that are overtly sympathetic to that. So what you'll probably see is really critical Fed speakers perhaps coming away from remarks and commentators saying, well, a little bit on the hawkish side, a little bit, but that's because they don't want the market to get carried away with pricing in too many cuts too soon. I think it's also important to establish 
what we're talking about when we talk about the Fed, what I'm talking about are the voices that matter. And at the hinge points in policy, it's really critical to understand not all Fed speakers are equal. Keep your eye primarily on the triumvirate. The chair, the vice chair, and the head of the New York Fed. Other people in the FOMC sort of matter occasionally or situationally, but you know it's important not to get too upset or enthused by what some of the backbenchers say. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.